150 years of Children's National Hospital, 150 years of groundbreaking research, of exceptional healthcare for kids, of helping families like mine and yours. 150 years stronger with your help. Please give today. Visit childrensnational.org slash 150 years. That's childrensnational.org slash 150 years. This is No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Corey Mansfield and Ryan McCarthy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Episode 5 of No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports. My name is Ryan McCarthy. I'm one of your one of your hosts. And on with me is one of the sadder New York Islanders fans uh, currently going, uh, currently right now, J- uh, Corey Mansfield. Corey, how's it going tonight? It's uh, it's one one loss away. That's how it's going. One <laughs> loss away. That's so. t- that's too bad. We'll it's get not in- good. Yeah, we'll get into some. Uh, you know, you have some good news this week. Get some. Get some more cards back from your uh, World League collection. Yeah, I did. Yes, I did. And what, what were some of the? What, uh, one, I saw one of the big ones on the uh, on, on the Instagram page. Sam Gelbaugh. Yeah, yeah, you know Stan Gelbaugh sent Stan back, Gelbaugh. and he he was like he was like Mister World League that year. Yep, and uh, I think he won like every award you could win for a quarterback in that league, and it was really cool to get him back. And he's really a, a, apparently a really good guy and signs everything. And so yeah, it was really cool to get him back. And then the other thing was I had some people who were signing back of cards. Still trying to figure that out why you would sign the back of a card, but that's just me being the geek. Possibly, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let me do some research on that a little you know, after the show. But we're gonna dip into some topics from the last couple of weeks. Uh, last week, uh, Corey was having a little some some uh, uh, wasn't feeling too good, so we decided to skip this week. I tried to do a solo podcast, but uh, I wanted to do a uh, NFL preview. Unfortunately, what happened was that I had gotten 50 minutes in talking. I'd only finished three. I'd only finished three divisions, so I decided to do my live show around for the weekend, which could catch most Friday nights at 6:30. By the way, mm-hmm. on uh, Periscope, Facebook, and now Twitch TV. So if you want to check that out, my other channel uh, around for the weekend. Um, but we're going to talk about some NFL playoffs. We're going to talk about the conference semi conference finals, excuse me, uh, which moved to Edmonton last week. Going to do some memoriam for uh, Tom Seaver and Lou Brock, who passed away uh, over the past couple of weeks. We'll talk about some football, college, and NFL. And we'll also talk about a curious thing that happened with uh, Madden 21 and that Colin Kaepernick, who has not played a snap in the NFL for four seasons, is now featured in the game. So we'll talk about that a little bit more. But let's start off with the NHL semi uh, conference semifinals, or sorry, sorry, conference finals. My goodness, time is flying here. And both teams, both Eastern Conference, Eastern Conference and Western Conference teams moved to Edmonton at Rogers Place. Uh, right now, the Tampa Bay Lightning currently hold a 3-1 series lead over the Islanders, which makes Corey kind of sad. And I believe, yes, the Stars have the Dallas Stars have a 3-1 series lead on Vegas. So Corey, let's. Go over the conference uh, conference finals right now. What's the what's been the kind of the most surprising thing, or the or or what's been the kind of uh, uh yeah what's one of the most surprising and unsurprising things about this conference semifinal conference final you you found? Well, I think the big surprise is how good the Dallas Stars goalie Anton Hubodin is. Yep. I mean, this guy is. Um, many people have always said he's undersized. He could never be a number one goalie. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess you know, with Ben Bishop being out, he kind of took the reins. Yeah. And he's run with it. Yeah. I mean, and that's t- and that's the thing for them is we talked earlier in the playoffs about. How the who's going to carry the team? It's going to be the hot goalie, yep. and he's the hot goalie right now, and he's carrying that team. They're talking about the about Vegas, who's just you know explosive offensively. They've been stymied this whole series, and it looks like they're going to lose the series. It looks like Dallas is going to make it to the Stanley Cup Finals behind a hot goalie. 
Now you, you know, you look on the other side, and you look at the the Islanders, and you look at the Lightning again. Vasilevsky is one of the best goalies in the NHL, yeah. and he is showing why in that series. The Islanders have they have so many chances after chance after chance in that series, and Vasilevsky just comes up huge for them. It, it's really about goaltending at this point in the season. It really is. Now, in the last round, we saw three out of the four series, 3-1 leads disintegrate. Do you see any, is there any chance that either these conference finals, either these 3-1 leads disintegrate, or we're going to get a gentleman's sweep on both sides? No, I I think that both series could go game, they could go to seven. Hmm. I think the Islanders could come back. I think the Islanders, they missed their chance. I mean, if you watch that series, um, in game two, uh, Braden Point went out, arguably the best player on the Lightning. The Islanders had a chance to win that game. The The Lightning were down, though, I think, eight forwards in that game. So they had guys playing on different lines to make up the difference. And, you know, they lose. Kucherov scores, you know, as the game winds down, they lose. Then the next game, they win. But it was like... And the next game, you know, Braden Point didn't play. So people can kind of say, well, the Islanders won the game. You know, Kalorn wasn't playing. Braden Point wasn't playing. So that's kind of where the Islanders got. They, they had a little bit, you know, they didn't have their best players. So they're the best roster or the best team out there. So the Islanders won that game. The Islanders had their, 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 their chance to get that series in their favor. They couldn't pull it off. The Lightning now, they have the confidence. Right now, they have the core. You can't stop the hot goaltender. Vasilevsky is the hot goaltender right now. And I mean, if you look at Varlamov, I just don't see him being that guy in a big game. If you remember game seven against the Flyers, it wasn't Varlamov in net, it was Grice. Mm-hmm. And I just don't think that he has the confidence right now to, you know, lead the Islanders into the next round. And the other thing about the Islanders, too, is they're kind of, a, you know, they're not really that beat up, but Casey Sezekis went home. He left the bubble for them, hmm. and he was the centerman on that fourth line, their, uh, uh, what they call their best line or their the most important line on the team, and um, I think that was a big loss for them. He was kind of that guy who really jump-started that line with Clutterbuck and Martin, and uh, having him gone, I think, is going to hurt them. But the Islanders had so many chances. You watch that series, and you see, you know, you know, Brock Nelson taking point blank shots and they're just getting, you know, snagged out of the air by Vasilevsky. And then at the same time, Matt Barzell really hasn't, you know, played up to the caliber he needs to be at for a superstar. And the other thing about the Islanders too, and I'll, I'll, I'll let you take over after this mm-hmm. is they, they pass way too much. The, the commentators in the game were commenting on how much they pass. And, I'm, and they have obvious open shots that they could take, and they may try to make that extra pass, and it, and, and it ended up getting block, you know, blocked by Vasilevsky. They're just not taking, they're not taking the shots when they're, when they're there for them. They're trying to, make that, trying to be too fine with their passing. So. Yeah, I, I, as, a, as a hockey observer for forever how many years I've been watching hockey, probably about 30 or so, uh, any team that – kind of get snake bit they feel like they, they're 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 holding the stick a little too tightly they're they're gripping the stick a little too tightly they're passing a little too much to try to get uh, uh try to get some opportunities you just you gotta take some chances you gotta take some shots at goal figuratively figuratively and literally speaking uh i'm looking at uh the story from emily kaplan on espn uh both casey sezikis and tom kunakle uh they have both left the bubble so unfortunately uh Neither will return for the rest of the playoffs. That could be that could be the undoing for the for the Islanders in the, in the series. Now, looking at the Stars Night series, uh, start uh, the uh, yeah they split the first two games with shutout both both being shutout wins for the Stars and the Knights, and then Stars get the overtime goal. They win a close game four playing tonight. It's Monday night. They're playing in about half an hour. They have a chance to advance to their first Stanley Cup final since 2000. It's been 20 years since the Stars went to the Stanley Cup final. Corey, where were you 20 years ago? Uh, 20 years ago? I don't even can even remember. Two, you're uh, 2000. 
Yeah, that was a couple years. I was probably in college at that point. Mm. But you know how much longer it's been for another team to be the Stanley Cup? The New York Islanders haven't been in 36 years, so it's been a while. It might be 37 after this, Corey. I don't know how, I don't know how to yeah. break it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to break it to you. <laughs> but I'm looking at, uh, yeah, it's, you know, you, you, as you, you said, Corey, it's both teams are riding the hot goalie. Kudobin's come out of pretty much nowhere off the bench uh, to take over for for Ben Bishop, who was hurt, and he's had himself a pretty good series. I mean, look at the, look at the score line right now. Um, shutout in game one. He's allowed three goals in. To- he's he's allowed well, actually six goals in total. But um, but yeah, he's you he, he ride the hot goalie to the Stanley Cup final. And they run into Vasilevsky, who's having uh, an equally as good conference final with the exception of game three, uh, it could be a very surprising, a lot, a lot of prognosticators had the lightning and the, and the golden Knights in the Stanley cup final, but Dallas has kind of had that really su- that surprise. Uh, there was a, a supply surprise team. They were in the group of four to play in the round robin just to get their legs under them. And they were the number three seed in the Western conference. Um, so it's, uh, you know, you got some pretty, you know, if we're, those who are familiar with the stars, they got some. They got some. Uh, they got a pretty deep bench. They got a pretty deep uh, lineup with uh, uh, Joe Pavelski, formerly of the San Jose Sharks. He signed with them this past off season to bring up that experience, that uh, that center presence. If you need a faceoff win, he can get it for you. Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Ben, uh, Alex Radulov, who's kind of a cast off from the from the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, he. Wanted to sign with them a couple of seasons ago. He's still at the team. He's he's scoring clutch goals. I think he scored the overtime winner in Game Three. So Dallas is 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 one of those teams that kind of caught a lot of people off guard, and they can very much w- make their way to the the conference to the Stanley Cup Final. And I think everybody going into this whole bubble situation kind of knew that the team that was going to win the Stanley Cup wasn't going to be one of the teams that even one of the perennial teams that was going to win it because of just how everything has been so unexpected this whole year. I think if you went into it thinking that the Bruins are going to win it or the Penguins are going to win it, I think you were kidding yourself because again, it's a, it's, it's, it's an unprecedented time we're in. And this year has been so weird. You, these teams sat for so long and then you expected them to start up. It's a whole new season. That's really what it is. It's a whole new season. It's like 2020 B. Uh, and so you look at it, it was really anybody's to win. I mean, you think about it, how many games did you have to win theoretically to get? You had to win, what, 20 games or, or 16 games? 16 to, games. To win the Stanley Cup. So, I mean, that's really all it took. And, I mean, and, and you know, the Dallas Stars, are, you know, they, they took that, you know, to the next level, and they're going after it, and they really take it to the and, – and, and you got to kind of feel bad for Vegas if, if they do lose tonight. Talking about a team that went to the Stanley Cup Finals a couple years ago, they were close again. Might not make it, but you know it, it's going to be great. I mean, whoever it's going to be, but you think about it. You know, if you, you had said, "Is there any, could this could these anybody come back in this this hole they're in these three one holes?" They could, but not likely at this point. Yeah, well, we'll see. That game game five's tonight. It's Monday. Like I guess it's currently Monday night as we record. Now. If we get a, a, a Tampa-Dallas Stanley Cup final, uh, projecting a week from today, uh, seeing it as to who's going to be in the Stanley Cup final, if it's Tampa and Dallas, who do you have? Tampa. Tampa? It's, yeah, I just yeah. think that they're a more complete team. Yeah, that's true. I mean, watching their, you know, their, you know, watch what they're doing to the Islanders. I mean, their, their defensemen are more active than any other team in the NHL. They have the best goaltender in the NHL. How is Hudobin going to be able to do this at the next uh, continue to do this? I think if you look at it, is he just being that lucky right now in net and that's what's carrying them? Or is he that good? Vasilevsky's is always that good. That's mm-hmm. the thing about him. He's a big goalie, doesn't make mistakes. So, I mean, if, 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 if I had to pick a winner right now, I would say it would be the Lightning. And probably I would say probably five games. I, re- mm-hmm. I think they would they would really clean him up. You know the only advantage they really have in 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 terms of I mean for Dallas the only advantage they really have in that uh, in that regard going head to head is the fact that they technically have, they technically get three home games if it goes more than if it goes more than seven games 
uh, River goes more than six games, so they have at least three home games that they can get the the last line change. And you know, looking at their Dallas roster right now, you know, they got themselves some pretty notable names. Uh, I, a couple of them being, uh, as I mentioned before, Joe Pavelski, uh, Jimmy Ben, and uh, Alex Radulov. But don't forget they have Tyler Sagan too, uh, who can contribute as a scorer when needed. Uh, defensively, they got a lot of no names, except the, with the exception of Roman Polak and Andre Sakara. Um, not a lot of household names here, unless you're in Dallas. And then you got uh, uh, Anton Kubo- Kudobin, who's playing as playing you know on his currently playing on his head, <laughs> basically. You, 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 they did bring up an important thing on the NBC broadcast. They were talking about backup goalies. And if you really look at both backup goalies in this series, and I'm not saying either goalie, starting goalie, would get hurt in the Stanley, that Stanley Cup final, but it's Jake Ottinger and it's Curtis McElhaney are the two backup goalies. One's for obviously for the Lightning, the other one's for the the Dallas Stars. So anything can happen in these games. So if you really look at the Stars, if Hudobin goes cold, he's your only option. You're not going to go to Ottinger in that situation. You know, so if if the, the the stars do make it to Stanley Cup final, and let's say the first two games they're just destroyed, and he's terrible in net, they're not going to make that change. So that series basically would be over with. So, well, like the last round, we had three series from have a three one comeback. Um, none of the, I don't think any of those three. Uh, teams that advanced, uh, uh, no, the, the three teams that had the three-one lead collapsed and then won the next. Uh, uh, they won the ne- their final game. Actually, actually, all another, yeah. So, yep. So we'll see what happens with the Stanley Cup final. Probably happen, we'll, which will probably be we'll probably have game one by the time we record our next uh, our next episode next Monday. So let's move on to our next topic, which is in memoriam. Tom Seaver and Lou Brock. Tom Seaver passed away uh, two weeks ago on Wednesday at the age of 75. Uh, Lou Brock passed away last Sunday at the age of 81. And Corey, as a, as a Mets fan, what did Tom Seaver mean to you as a Mets fan? I mean, you, you didn't get to see him play. I'm, I'm pretty sure you didn't get to see him play um, as you were probably a little, 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 munch, little, little tyke uh, when he was still around. I mean, he pitched 20 seasons, but uh by the time you, you, you probably grow up and kind of recognize that baseball was your sport, he was already retired. But as a Mets fan, what does Tom Seaver mean to you? So Tom Seaver, like they've always said, is the franchise. I mean, you're talking about a guy who fell in the Mets' laps um, with the basically a lottery. It was like a lottery draft type thing where um, he had played in college. He signed a pro contract. He couldn't go back to college. And they basically said, okay, he's a free agent because he was originally with the Braves. He's a free agent. Yep. Four, I think it was four teams were going to buy for him. They picked a name out of the hat, happened to be the Mets, and the rest is history. I mean, that should tell you right there that this guy was special, that that happened, and then he goes on to be a Hall of Famer. I mean, there's not much you can else you can say about Tom Seaver except he was arguably the greatest pitcher of that generation. Uh, he just, the Mets fans and the Mets needed a leader. They needed some, they needed a star. And Howie Rose, who I've always loved as a Mets broadcaster, he, he talked about in one of his broadcasts about having like the player, mm-hmm. like the Yankees had Mickey Mantle and Joe yep. DiMaggio mm-hmm. and the Giants had Willie Mays and the Mets never had their guy. This was their guy. They, mm-hmm. this was, this was their guy that they could brag about. And that's what he was. I mean, my dad always told me a story about when Tom Seaver, uh, the Jimmy Qualls game, when he pitched the one the one hitter that was broken up with, you know, two outs in the ninth inning. Uh, he could go. He was supposed to go to that game, right? And he <laughs> didn't go to it, and he always regrets it this day, every day since. But Tom Seaver, how he took that franchise under his wing and led them to a World Series, and I think everybody fed off him. You gotta remember that team didn't have a lot of superstars on it. Right. It had a lot of middle of the road journeymen, you know, uh, like Don Clendenin and his greatest, you know, Cleon Jones is a great player, but he wasn't a superstar. Right. Uh, Ron Swoboda, I mean, you know, he took those guys and said, "Hey, we can win. 
we're a good team. We, and he used to always make comments about why would I, and about finishing second, and always wanted to finish first. And he brought that atmosphere to the Mets and made them winners. And when they didn't think they could win, and it was it was more off the field that he made them believe they could win than on the field because he he you know everybody knew how much of a great pitcher he was, but he was a great guy too. I mean, right. you know Tom Seaver, and, and it just kind of how everything went down with him leaving. You know the Midnight Massacre. Yeah. Um, how he left because of all that. It 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 just really stained his legacy as from a Mets Met fan point of view, nothing that he did, but what the Mets did, it would have been right. great to have him with the Mets for all those years, but it didn't work out. And, um, you know, he, he was just arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation. And then you yeah. look at Lou Brock, Lou Brock was, you know, probably the greatest base dealer of his generation. Yep. And, you know, he just all around great baseball player. It wasn't about stealing bases about everything he else he could do. Yeah. Let me throw some stats at you, Corey, for, uh, both, Mr. Seaver and Mr. Brock. Um, Tom Seaver finished, he pitched 20 seasons with the Mets, the Reds, the White Sox, and the Red Sox. Uh, finished his career, ironically enough, in 1986. He wasn't he wasn't part of the roster that went to the World Series to play the Mets. Uh, but from what I understand, reading up on him, uh, he they announced him in, in the, he didn't pitch, but he was still kind of on the bench in the lineup. Uh when he was introduced at Shea Stadium, he got probably one of the loudest ovations in uh, Mets history, whether it be postseason or regular season. But let's take a look at some stats he's had. He finished with 3,640 strikeouts. He's only one of two pitchers with over 3,000 strikeouts, 300 wins, and an ERA under three. Who was, you know who the other player was, the other pitcher was? Walter Johnson. I think you said Walter Johnson. Yeah. Walter Johnson. Big train. Yeah. And he holds the record for most opening day starts. He had six in 20 seasons. He had 16 opening day starts. 16. <laughs> you don't see that. You're not going to see that anymore in the, in this modern, no. modern day era of, nope. of a rotation of five, four or five guys where you're going to have guys who are going to throw 3000 strikeouts and get 300 wins. I mean, for the hall of fame now, it's 200 is probably the, uh, the benchmark. Uh, for wins to get in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, the conversations came up when, you know, when Seaver passed away and, you know, it's Tom Seaver passes away and Jacob deGrom is having another Cy Young season and the kind of the comparisons are starting to come up. You you can't, they're under, they're ludicrous. You can't compare these two pitchers. Tom Seaver was in a different generation. deGrom's a different generation. You know, is, is, could deGrom be the greatest pitcher of this generation? Maybe. But Tom Seaver was was the greatest pitcher, or arguably the greatest pitcher of his generation. Yeah, I mean, can you name a better pitcher than Tom Seaver in that generation? Bob Gibson. No, well, good. Yeah, well, maybe. Um, not he played not, some pretty pretty good teams. Nolan Ryan. Well, yeah, but Nolan Ryan really didn't find his groove until probably the the eighties is when he started to mow people down. Well, no, that's true. I mean, he was he was a rookie with the Mets back in '69. Then he got traded yep. to California, and then yeah, like you said, he didn't. He, he kind of find. You I mean he had a lot of strikeouts, and yeah, he, and he, he had that. He had, that, he had those years with the Astros, with him and Mike Scott were basically the 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 the, the two big guns in that in that uh, pitching rotation. Yeah, it's. Uh, he he just he was just a great pitcher. I mean, those stats don't surprise me. I mean, you know, but it'd be, he you look at Walter Johnson. I mean, that guy just he would pitch complete games, complete double headers. It's just crazy. Yeah, yeah. And again, a different again a different generation. You look at a different era. Yep. Yep. So you look at you know, and that's that's how that's why the, the Hall of Fame is so tough to you know judge who should get in the Hall of Fame because you have all these different generations that you're trying to lump into one group and it's so difficult to. Yeah. Now let's look at some of the stats for Lou Brock. He's second on the all-time list for stolen bases. Uh, Ricky Henderson broke that record back in the night, back in, I think 1990 or 1991. He's still a single season holder in stolen bases in the national league. And he also owns a 391 batting average in the world series, which is the highest of anyone who's played in 20 or more World Series games. And he has the most stolen bases in world as in this in his career in the career 
as a as a World Series and appearances in the World Series. Uh, Lou Brock, he was again. You talk about eras, Corey. He's part of that era where the stolen base was one of the was a a valued offensive uh, offensive weapon. If you had speed in the bases, you could do anything. Uh, guys like Ru- Lou Brock, Ricky Henderson, uh, Tim Raines, those guys. Uh, you know, I, I you don't you don't uh, Ty Cobb. He broke Ty Cobb's uh, stolen base record. So it's a stat that is really. I mean, it's 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 a it's a offensive ploy now with the with the with the uh, home run ball being the big thing now as a primary means of of getting runs. But back in those days. Where you didn't see we we where power hitters were few and far between, you hit mostly for average to get on base so you can try to steal base and score. Uh, the stolen base is a lost art, as do demonstrate. I mean, when was the last time you saw somebody steal a hundred bases? Yeah. I, yeah, I can't name, and, I can't name anyone who did who did that. <laughs> I'd be interested to see who the last person was to steal hundred bases. Well, it had to be Ricky Henderson. I, I think it was. Yeah. It had to be. And, you know, I mean, you think about from a, from a, and I'm kind of, a, I feel like I'm a baseball purist. From a baseball point of view, if you come up and let's say there's a runner on first and second and you, you hit a home run, yeah, it's a three run homer, it's all nice. But, you know, wouldn't it be nice to hit a gap, keep the, you know, keep the, 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 the wheel going, hit, ball gets hit in the gap. You know, run scores. There's still runners on base. That was the old mentality of baseball: was put the ball in play, just keep the cycle going. And you know, when Lou Brock would get in the game, you know, he could wreak havoc on the bases. And you know, he would, you know, he could still, you know, obviously second, third, and get these pitchers on edge. You know, sometimes when a you know a guy hits a home run, it's kind of a blessing for a pitcher because they don't have any runners on base. You know, and that's why, like, I look at a play like. Players like Ricky Henderson and Lou Brock and Vince, you know, Coleman. Vince Coleman, Vince Coleman, yeah, we were thinking the same thing. They would they would keep these pitchers on edge, and these pitchers couldn't concentrate on the batter. They had to worry about the runners on base, and that would rattle these guys and make them least you know make these pitchers ineffective. And you look at the Mets, like the, the Mets the last, last few years have had a terrible time holding runners on base, and it it reflects in their record. And that's the thing about these these guys, these stolen base guys. They would wreak havoc on the bases, and it's 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 really one of the the lost things in baseball. I feel really sad about that. I really wish the stolen base would come back. I really do. Now the last the last major leaguer to score to score to steal a hundred bases in a season was Vince Coleman in 1987. He he stole 109 bases. I remember that, but I didn't think that was the last time. Yeah, it's been 33 hmm. years since somebody's since a player stolen 100 or more bases. It's it's just it's just interesting now that I mean I, I understand the the big ball, the home runs get the the as uh you know the old commercial with uh, Tom Maddox and uh, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, Tom sorry Tom Glavin. And Greg Maddox, excuse me. Yeah, that the Nike commercial. That'd, that'd be one hell. That'd, long ball. That'd, <laughs> that'd be that'd be that'd be one hell of a pitcher, though. Tom Maddox. Tom Maddox. <laughs> Greg, Tom Glavin, Greg Maddox. Tom. Oh man, that'd be a pitcher. You don't. I see know. That. <laughs> you don't see that. Pat, Pat Verdette. You know. <laughs> so. We want to send our condolences to this to the families of uh, of of Tom Seaver and Lou Brock. Both le- both baseball legends who have passed away over the last couple weeks, and uh, well, thank you for the uh, thank you for the memories. Uh, we'll they'll live on on in highlights and YouTube and also in our minds. So, oh, and also I talked to my dad the day after Tom Seaver died. He remembers watching uh, Seaver mow down twenty Padres in a game. That yeah, twenty. They had that. Outs. They had that on. They had that on TV. I think a couple weeks ago. It was probably was it on SNY? I think it was on SNY. Yeah. All right, so we're gonna move on to this past weekend. Lots and lots of college and NFL action. Uh, NFL started on Thursday with the Chiefs looking like Super Bowl champions that they were 
it looked very, very good, uh, and they're poised to repeat. And they showed no signs of slowing down. And then we had a bunch of games yesterday. Um, as a New York Jets fan, Corey, I'm... People say treat yourself like you need a reason. But McDonald's treats are perfect for every day. Like bold McCafe iced coffee. Get any size for $1.69. Or pick up any size sweet tea for a dollar. The largest served in an insulated cup that keeps your tea cold. Feeling a little extra something-something? Try the classic bakery sweets like an apple fritter. With so many ways to treat yourself, you don't need an excuse. Just come back tomorrow. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. Oh, that's a cheer we used to do in softball. Uh, what? It's, uh, actually Geico's. Whenever someone hit a triple, we would wave our bats and yell, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. But we never got to use it because we would only hit home runs. Annoying. The phrase is from Geico because they help save people money. Geico? Yeah, they were our team sponsor. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. I'm sad. <laughs> um, I don't know if you caught mo- any of the game yesterday. Uh, as a New York Jets fan, it's it's just sad to see the state that they're in with their offense. It's just I mean, with, with a talented quarterback like Sam Donald having to have have two years of his life almost pretty much wasted with Adam Gase. It's just it's it's a sad thing to see a ta- such a talented guy uh, have those kind of numbers he had. Um, but we'll get to NFL in just a second. College football. And the one thing I want to bring up in college football, there were three games that I had uh, that were most notable to me and I might in my personal Twitter account, which you can find at who is Ryan MCC on Twitter. I noted on Sunday early on Sunday morning that fun fact, the Sunbelt Conference went three and0 against a power five conference on Saturday. Do you know which power conference that was, Corey? No, Ryan. Well, which one was it? It was the Big 12. The Big 12 went 0-3 against the Sun Belt Conference. And the Sun Belt Conference is, that, is one of those group of five conferences. It's on the up and up. Uh, App State, Appalachian State has been the big name uh, to be in to come from the Sun Belt Conference. Them and uh, Louisiana, uh, Lafayette, also known as University of Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns. They're in kind of the up and up in terms of... Uh, in terms of recruiting, in terms of being a consistent power. And the, and the thing with Appalachian State, they've had three different coaches in the last three years, but they keep on winning. And one of the guys from our, who played arena football in their area, Malachi Jones, he was a wide receiver at Appalachian State. You know, it doesn't surprise me that these conferences, these lower conferences, are starting to compete with the, the Big Five. Because if you really look at like a lot of these um, players, these big five, the big five conferences, a lot of the backups are are leaving because they're not getting playing time, yeah. and they're going to these 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 smaller schools where they can get playing time. How many times have you watched an ESPN broadcast and you hear, oh, such and such player was committed to Clemson, and then he decided to go here, or, or he was going, he was he was at you know LSU and decided to go to Louisiana. Because he could get more playing time. I mean, it doesn't shock me that these teams are starting to compete now, uh, because they're getting they're getting more exposure on TV, and these players don't they don't want to sit. On, if you're if you're a a three star recruit, and you're you get a chance to play at LSU, is it better to be a backup at LSU or to be a starter at you know University of Louisiana? Nice. I mean. What's going to help your draft stock better to sit on the side? If you sit on the sideline, yeah, you, you there's a chance you may get to play if somebody gets hurt, if you beat somebody out. But in most cases, you might not. If you go to L, if you go to a, a smaller school, you're going to get a chance to play. You could start and play, and that's where I think a lot of these players are, especially with the rules now, where you can basically just leave and you could play that same year, right? And uh, but yeah, I mean, it, it, and I I think it's good for college football. Yes, um, I agree. I agree. So that, but I, I you know, it's, it's a funny fact. Is I was reading online the other day, and I was trying. Do you know what college has won the most national championships? Which which program? Which program has won the most national championships? 
out of any program, whether it be Division One, One AA, Two or Three. D- Division One would be considered a Division One now. Um, I want to say Alabama. It's actually. Um, North Dakota State, isn't it? No, it's. I was trying to find it, and I had it on there, but I think it was an Ivy League school. From because they want to remember back when college football first started. I want to say it's Princeton or Yale. No, I think it's Yale. It's Yale. Ah. Yeah, it's Yale. Um, Because back in when college football first started, you had you're going back to 1869. Okay. Yep. The national champions were Princeton, Rutgers, and then for the next oh. 40 years, it was all Ivy League. It was it was either yep. Yale or Princeton with a couple Harvards mixed in there. And, you know, and then it, I, I just thought that was a funny thing. Everybody talks about these. And then Michigan kind of got into things. Yeah. But if you look at a lot of these programs recently that have won it, um, schools like Clemson. I mean, Clemson was pretty relevant back in the mid-'80s. Yeah. Not so much in the 90s. Um, Alabama had a had what a twenty year span there where they were uh, 10, 10, 15 year span where they were kind of irrelevant. Yeah, they, they had a lot. Of, they it, had a, I think they had a lot of they had a lot of uh, uh, NCAA violations. That 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 too. Um, but it, I was just looking at that and I just thought that was interesting. So for me to see some of these smaller schools get a chance to play with the big boys and beat them, I think it's great for the college football. Yeah, the one disappointment I had with college football this year rate. At the moment, uh, with the Pac-12 postponing their season until the spring, and I think they're going to kick themselves in the butt with the Big Twelve, with, with the Big Ten vote coming up this week, uh, later this week, is that Oregon was going to be next on the North Dakota State. We're going to come to your town, win a game, and take your money back to back to Fargo, <laughs> uh, the Fargo tour, because North Carolina. I'm sorry, North Dakota State. They've had some pretty significant wins over the past past decade. Uh, I can remember them beating, uh, they beat Iowa State a few years ago. Uh, they were slated to, again, they were slated to play Oregon this year, but they've had to put some pretty significant wins, and they're an FCS school. Uh, they've won six, out of, I think, six out of the last seven national championships in the playoffs. So yeah, and they're, 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 they're always in it. Yep. Yep. They always seem to be in it, and they've, and they've got some, they've had some uh, NFL talent come out of there with uh, Carson Wentz, uh, Easton Stick, he's currently the third quarterback for the Chargers, uh, and they got this kid from uh, um, uh, Trevor, uh, Trey Lance, I think his name is. Uh, he's projected to be a top, uh, a top five pick as a quarterback in the NFL draft this year. So they've had some pretty good talent come out of, come out of that, uh, come out of that, that school. And like you said, Corey, some of these smaller schools that uh, like a Arkansas State, uh, like uh, Coastal Carolina, who hasn't been playing, who they they haven't been playing FBS for too long. They sent, they joined the Sun Belt Conference a few years ago. Uh, they've won the they've been to Kansas two consecutive years, and they've come out with victories both times. And they won up whipping them on Saturday. Last year was a, last year was a very close game, but this year's game there was no contest. They were up twenty eight to three at the half, and they went up winning by fifteen. So. Yeah, like you said, so some of these smaller schools are are getting experience, taking the, they're getting their they're getting their money paid. They're going in these places and they're taking the money, they're taking the money and the win back home with them. So does that beg the question: Is the college football playoff relying too much on the Power Five conferences? I think initially it it does, but once some of these group quote group group of five schools. Uh, start to gain traction. They start to get pop. They start to get uh, the right recruits. Uh, they get a lot of transfers from different other 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 programs, other uh, power five programs. I think you'll see. A, I think you'll see a group of five uh, team go to the college football playoff in the next two to three years. Well, why? You, know, you look at like Central Florida. Yep, Central Florida. Yep. So, so if you look at like Central Florida had their chance and they were left out. So how is it possible for a group of five? You, so you, you, what you're telling you think that there's going to be a team in the group of five 
that is going to get in. How are they going to get in? You would you'd have to go undefeated and just destroy every opponent like 80 to nothing. Yeah, they would have to win. They would have to win by at least 30 each and every single game. They would have to play I think that it starts with the schedule. Uh, they they would have to play a power 5 team the first week of the season cuz that's when the the marquee games are played. You see other teams play cupcake schedules like a like an Ohio State, they'll play our ladies of the our 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 sisters of the Mer- of mercy and went up killing them by sixty six points, <laughs> but yeah. you would have to see a UCF play uh, like an Oklahoma State or an Auburn or a Penn State at a neutral site, and they get the win, and they bump up themselves up in the conference. I mean, right now UCF's ranked twenty first in the country. But they're playing a mostly in-conference schedule this year because of a COVID situation. So, and they I won't think, get that one. Win, they won't get that one win from UConn that they get every year. Oh my gosh! Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let me just look at the schedules real quick for UCF in the next couple of seasons. Um, let's see football schedule for 2021. The website that has future schedules for for different teams. So 2021. Oh. oh. Ooh, 2021. They st- they play Boise State at home in their first in their first game on September 4th, 2021. That could be a fun tilly, right there. And they play Lou- at Louisville the next week, uh, two weeks later. They're if they win those two games and they win by a considerable margin, then hey, maybe they can. But yeah, you, and they play UConn. Sa- and they can play UConn the 20th of, se- <laughs> of November <laughs> that year. So there's your so did, there's your UConn win. <laughs> so do they just do they make the schedule up? Do they just put one and O and put like an asterisk next to UConn and just like yeah, one w. And o, it's, yeah, it's done. We'll play we'll you play know, a W there. And oh by the way, most national championships ever won. Yale has eighteen. Alabama has fifteen. They are tied with Princeton with fifteen. Notre Dame with thirteen and Michigan with nine. Tied with so- uh, Southern California. Hmm. Yeah. So some some pre. I mean, I I wouldn't have guessed those the, the big three there: the Michigan, uh, Alabama, and Notre Dame. I probably would have guessed yeah. Alabama. I mean, you guessed Alabama, but again, Yale. Well, I'm thinking like Yale. modern era, but hey, Bull, Yale the Bulldogs, Yale the Eli's. Yeah. Now they have arguably the longest consecutive, uh, the longest drought in the NCAA. They haven't won a national title since 1927. So, I bet the alumni at Yale is kind of yank, uh, hankering for national title sometime in the next uh, century. <laughs> yep. That, I don't know if anybody remembers that 1874 team, but oh, that was a pretty, those guys pretty good team. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of guys went to the went to the NFL. Oh, wait. <laughs> there, wasn't, there wasn't an NFL back then. Anywho. So, Corey, do you watch any any NFL games yesterday? No. No? Okay. I mean, a lot of the big narrative with the NFL the, the this uh, uh, this week, uh, I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that there were no preseason games. You saw a lot of teams that were that were rusty. You saw a lot of teams that just kind of picked up where they left off last year. Uh, New Orleans was one of those teams. Baltimore was one of those teams. Uh, Buffalo was also one of those teams that kind of picked up picked up where they left off. New England, surprisingly, I, th- I thought they were going to have a tougher time with Miami, and they kind of did, but any team that has Bill Belichick basically creating schemes against their defense, uh, they make, and they made Ryan Fitzpatrick throw three interceptions yesterday, so I wasn't surprised. I was kind of surprised they didn't pull him for two up, but... So a normal, normal Fitzpatrick game. Yeah, either he's Fitzmagic or he's Fitztragic. <laughs> so yep. yeah, he's definitely yep. one of yep. those games. Um, I mean, part of, also part of the narrative was the uh, was the was the pro was the uh, uh, the 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 um, social protest thing, and I won't go too far into it. I, I I'm it's starting to wear me out a little bit. I mean, we talked we touched on it a couple weeks ago. It's starting to wear on me just a little bit. I mean, I had my opinion on it. I'm not going to turn it into a political show, um, but you know, I, I mean, is it possible that this this thing kind of goes on or it's just go for one week and then you see the ratings drop further and further down and they won't you know, all of a sudden you'll just see you'll just you won't see the networks show the protests the, the, the kneeling or the or anything like that uh and as long as the ratings keep going down so you know 
I mean, I'm watching the, watching the Giants play the Steelers right now. The Giants are surprisingly up 30, ten to not, ten to three, uh, which is kind of surprising considering uh, Joe Judge is in his first. This is Joe Judge's first game as a as a head coach. So, you know, lots of things to see in the NFL this season. I'm hoping for a better turnaround for the Jets, but you know, with and you Adam know one head th- coach. <laughs> and Ryan, you know one thing about the 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 social protesting and. All that was, you know, when the Texans and the Chiefs locked arms and people booed, um, they're like, oh, how can you be booing unity? How can you be booing? I don't think people understand that they're not booing unity. They're not booing. They're booing because they're sick of it. Well, that's really what it is. They're just sick of it. It, We get we get it. We get it. We understand it. We want to watch football. We want to watch these people out here play a game that we paid money to go and see. But I, I mean, I was I was reading to a little bit further, and I mean, I think part of the I, I saw a Twitter uh, a tweet by a, a fan who went to the game, who was a Chiefs fan who went to the game, and most of the booing was uh, was against the Texans for going out to the middle of the field because they nobody knew what was going on until yeah. they saw players link arms. So the narrative that the booing was against Unity, I think that's if you read into it a little bit further because. <clears throat> That point of view is t- from ten thousand feet. If you look at from five thousand feet, you'll, there's there's a lot more to it. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens in the next couple of weeks if if the uh, if the networks decide to keep going with the with the with the uh, social protests or they just kind of scrap it all together because their ratings are falling and they're losing sponsors. Yep. All right, so let's go on to our last topic of the night, and this week, this past week. Madden came out, or a couple weeks ago, Madden came out, and EA Sports decided to do something kind of special, special-ish, <laughs> and they've added Colin Kaepernick into Madden Twenty One. Now, the the game itself, I'm, I don't, I don't play video games that much at all, unless it's on my phone. Corey, I'm not sure if you play any video games at all. Uh, Madden 21 has been kind of panned uh, as kind of a terrible game <laughs> this year. Uh, yep. I listened to other podcasts on our uh, Belly Up Sports podcast family, uh, most notably most notably uh, Corner Booth. Uh, Jared and, and Kev have kind of gone into it a little bit more. But they decided to have the curious addition of Colin Kaepernick. Why do you think they decided to, EA Sports decided to add Colin Kaepernick to the game? It just goes back to that whole. This is you think about the NFL, you think about all their sponsors, you think about all their marketing, their licensing. They all have relationships. Everybody's making money off everybody, mm-hmm. and everybody's gonna scratch everybody's back. And this is we we're putting him in the game because we really feel like he was wronged. And I mean, I don't know who's you know. In my opinion, he, he's not even on a roster. You know, he's a free agent in the game. Okay, put him in it, I guess. I don't know. Is there any other free agents on the game? Have you seen the game? You know, is, is anybody else on the free agent list? <laughs> who's no rated? <laughs> who's rated, like you said, an 81. Again, Ryan, who's on that list? Who's Kaepernick above on that list? Let's take a look at the list. 17 starting quarterbacks. Kaepernick has an 81 ranking. He is, his rating is above 17 current starting quarterbacks in the NFL. I'll go over who the are list. who are Ryan Tannehill of Tennessee, Derek Carr of Vegas, Baker Mayfield Cleveland, Cam Newton New England, Josh Allen Buffalo, Kyler Murray Arizona, Jared Goff the LA Rams, Joe Burrow the Bengals, Teddy Bridgewater of the Panthers. Ryan Fitzpatrick of Miami. I kind of get that with all the interceptions he throws. Sam Donald, Daniel Jones, Mitch Trubisky, Drew Locke, Dwayne Haskins, Gardner Minshew, and Tyrod Taylor. 17 starting quarterbacks currently in the NFL. I'm just shaking my head. You can't see it. (laughs) (laughs) I can hear it from all the way up in in Saratoga. (laughs) Yeah, I'm, I'm just, I'm flabbergasted at how... 
you know, I mean, again, it goes back to this. Maybe the NFL feels like it's kind of like, you know, uh, Goodell coming out and like, oh, we've asked people to sign Kaepernick or, you know, I think he said that, right? We've we've asked teams to inquire about him and this and that because it's almost like they feel bad about it. It's like, don't you shouldn't feel bad about this. This guy was a below maybe an average quarterback in the NFL. I mean, we were looking at his stats from 2016. Yep. Um, I mean, he was like, what, the 22nd, the 22nd best QBR in the, the league? The 22nd best QBR in the league was a 49.5. What was his record that year? Um, His record was 1 in 10. 1 in 10. 1, one in 10. 1 in 10. So, and what bizarre universe are you going to have a guy who hasn't played in the league in four seasons, whose last appearance was in 2016, and his last 11 starts, he's lo- he's won one game of his last 11 starts. And that doesn't get talked about. That record does not get talking about enough. And yet he has a higher rating than 17 other starting current starting quarterbacks in Madden 21. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, you look at like that. We were looking at that year. So you're looking at some of the quarterbacks from that season. Um, you know, you're looking at uh, uh, um, Brock Osweiler was eight and six with Houston that year. Yep. Uh, Trevor Trevor Simeon eight and six with uh, Denver that year. Ryan. Uh, Ryan I, be- I. Yep. I was gonna say uh, Ryan. Ryan Tannehill eight and five. Yep. And he was a playoff quarterback too. Yep. And but you you look at this this list and it's like. These all these guys. It, it, there's more to a player than just statistics. How they are they a leader on the field? How do they handle an offense? How do they handle adversity? How do they get their team ready? How are they in the huddle? You know, I mean, there's just so many complexities. And was he that player? I don't know. I'm not. I'm. Not, I wasn't on the 49ers. But when you see a one in ten record, I don't care who you are. One in ten isn't good, and I'd be embarrassed if I was a leader. You know what? To be completely honest, with you, if I went one in ten as a quarterback, I'd probably retire. So since we're bringing quarterbacks who are no longer play, who are not playing in the NFL, uh, getting into Madden twenty uh, Madden twenty one, I'll see them back in my memory banks to see which quarterbacks who are kind of a one off or a high draft pick who are who kind of turn out to be a bust. Can we bring back Tim Couch? Can we put him in Madden 2022? Tim Couch nine, Tim Couch in 1998? Or Tim, Tim Couch, Couch of 2002, when the Browns last made the playoffs. Okay, so <laughs> 2002, we, we could bring him back. You could probably make him as a player. Okay, how about... And I wonder what his, what his ranking would be. Well, let's take a look. <laughs> Previous season... I'll we'll have to go all the way back to the, to 2002, but uh, Corey, what are what are what are some who are some other quarterbacks you could think of in your memory bank that could probably you could probably put into the Madden 2022? Well, you could you could probably go after you know big big arm Jamarcus Russell. Why not Jamarcus first Russell. round pick <laughs> Jamarcus Russell? You know, I mean, Ooh, how about know, Cole I mean, McCoy, it, it, Rex Grossman? Wow. Rex Grossman. What? Rex Grossman? He play, he actually played a long career. He had a pretty long career. How about John Skelton or, or Kevin Cobb? Where are you finding these guys? I'm Did going you? back in the memory bank. I'm, I'm, looking at 20, I'm looking at the 2011 NFL <laughs> passing rating passing right now. I'm trying to go back to 2002, but I keep coming across these names. But it's just so funny that a lot of the guys in that, a lot of quarterbacks in, that, in, in the 2016 QBR, they're still playing in the NFL. Oh yeah. Well, here's another name for you, um, Sam Bradford. Yeah, I was about to say Sam Bradford. You could bring him back. I'm still, I'm still going. Hang on, John Kitna. How about bringing, let's bring back John Kitna. Let's bring isn't him he back. A high, he's like a isn't he a coach? He's a quarterbacks coach now. I believe, yeah, I Gets, forgot who he's with. I think it was with. Um, I want to say Cincinnati, but I could be wrong. All right, so let's see. Bring here. back Jay, Jay Cutler. Bring him back. Tim Couch's QBR. In 2002 was not listed. Hang on. There we go. Reading. Dude, Tommy Maddox is on this list. Tommy Maddox, Aaron Brooks, 
Tim Couch's rating in, in 2002 was a was an astounding 76.8, which is higher than the following quarterbacks. And let's bring these names back. Dante Culpepper, Shane Matthews, Patrick Ramsey, Chad Hutchinson, Jake Plummer, David Carr, and Joey Harrington, Mr. Piano Player. This is... I'm looking at the list of one of the other seasons right now, and I'm just I'm trying to figure out how can you honestly say you look at like I'm looking at right now I'm looking at 2010 and just looking at 2000 I just pulled up 2010 okay the people who who had a higher who had a higher QBR than uh, Kaepernick did in 2016 you know it was Jason Campbell Matt Hasselbeck Ryan Fitzpatrick. Jay Cutler, Sean Hill, Mark Sanchez had a 51.6. Kyle Warren, <laughs> Carson Palmer, John Kitna, Kerry Collins, Matt Castle, Joe Flat. I mean, it, 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 it just, I'm just, again, I'm shaking my head. You can't see it. <laughs> I, I can hear it, though. <laughs> I know, I know. So, you know what's funny? I'm looking at this 2002 quarterback rating list. You know who was still playing in 2002? Rodney Pete. He was Carolina's quarterback in 2002. <laughs> Rodney P. Wow, Rodney P. So that was you. <laughs> sorry, Rodney, USC. God, went Rodney P. But he he joined the league. He, that would have only been like his twelfth year in the league, wasn't it? Because he came in like ninety, wasn't it? He started in eighty nine with Detroit. <laughs> then he played. Then he played a year in Dallas, and then he went to Philly. Went to Washington for a year. Went to Oakland for a year. Then had his last three seasons. Spent his last three seasons in Carolina. Now, his 2002 stats, he went 7-7 seven and seven in 2002. And believe it or not, <laughs> it was one of his best statistical seasons. Finished with 2,630, touch, uh, 2,630 yards and 15 touchdowns. That is a career high in both yards and touchdowns. So I'm looking, I don't know if this is wrong, but I'm looking at the quarterback rating from 2002. Is it? Am I wrong here? Did Chad Pennington have the highest QBR that year? In two thousand two. Yeah, according to this website, it said he had one hundred and four point two. Let me double check. Yep, one hundred and four point two. Chad Pennington. I still have the jersey hanging in my closet. Do you know why? His completion rating was almost sixty nine percent. Which is which is which is insane for a quarterback. He had so it was he was so accurate of a passer. I missed that guy. So that begs the question <laughs> why is Chad Pennington not in two thousand or not in NFL two thousand twenty twenty? Let's bring him back. Let's get the campaign. Let's get the campaign going, Corey. Let's put Chad Pennington yeah. in Madden two thousand twenty two. Yeah. In twenty twenty two. Let's get the campaign going. It, it it's it's gotta happen. It's gotta I mean happen. it's just I it's Hey, are, you know, honestly, if you look at quarterbacks in Jets history, you have Namath, obviously, number one. And yep. then you look at all the rest of them. People will say, you know, Ken O'Brien. Yep. Um, and then... Um, Finney Testaverde. Richard Todd, you could put up Richard there. Richard Todd, yep. Okay. And then, yeah, you know, I mean, we're not going to get into, like, Neil O'Donnell crap, because Neil O'Donnell was a train wreck. Nah. But you look at Chad Pennington. Chad Pennington was probably the... Second or third best quarterback in Jets history. I would argue he's. I would argue he's number two. Yeah, definitely. But yep. That's another episode for another podcast. So. <laughs> yeah. So I think we're going to wrap things up, Corey. Uh, on this episode, we're running on almost an hour. So. Wow. Yeah, I know. You get into, you get into a good conversation about pretty much anything sports related. You can go on for a good time. You can go on for a good hour, and we've almost done that. So, let's wrap up the show. Oh, and by the way, the, the, the hashtag no dojo required, Ralph Macho, you're still invited on the show. Anytime you want to come on and talk, talk New York sports to, with us. You too, you too, Elizabeth Shue. Yeah. <laughs> we, won't talk about, we won't talk about Back to the Future 2 and 3, though. Um, I did so, watch those this past weekend, though. You did? I wa- they had a marathon on, I think it was E. Wow. They had, them, they had them in sequential order, and then they did them in reverse. <laughs> which is weird to me, but I don't know. All right, so we're going to wrap things up on this 
super long, super long uh, episode of No Credentials Required. Uh, check out our podcast on the podcast network for Belly Up Sports Network, uh, FN Sports. Uh, two teachers, uh, Shaka and and Parker. They're two. They're a couple teachers who love sports and they talk sports all uh, a lot. Check them. Check out their podcast, FN Sports. Our Twitter account is at NoCredsREQ. Uh, you can check. You can interact with us on there. Check out other podcasts at BellyUpSports.com, the BellyUpSports Podcast Network. So, for Corey Mansfield, I'm Ryan McCarthy, and we'll save you a seat in the media booth. Intro and outro music is "On the Verge" by Joseph McDade. Check out his music and support him on Patreon at patreon.com forward slash Joseph McDade. Thank you for listening to No Credentials Required, powered by Belly Up Sports and a part of the Belly Up Sports Podcast Network. For more articles and podcasts, visit bellyupsports.com. Masks for family? Check. Garden cleanup? Check. Schedule back pain visit? Done. We've all adapted to a new way of living. Keep your health care on schedule with Johns Hopkins Medicine, where your health and safety are our highest priorities. We're ready to care for you through virtual and in-person visits across Maryland and the greater Washington region. Your health, our experts, safely caring for you. Schedule your care now. Learn more at hopkinsmedicine.org forward slash safe. Hey, imagine if all your frustrations about advertising your business could be solved right now. You should know that podcast listeners are more engaged in higher converting than any other advertising medium. So try AdHub today and reap the rewards of Spreaker's self-advertising platform. It makes it as effortless as ever to be heard by thousands, regardless of the listening app they use. Visit Spreaker.com forward slash AdHub. That's S-P-R-E-A-K-E-R.com forward slash AdHub and start using your advertising dollars in an impactful way.